hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Eh, sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Listen up, fanboys! It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast! And you can get a $5 wow. t-shirt right here from Mr. Host of the show, Derek Makaka. I think he pegged How's that for... Oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, I, schoolyard never, bullying. Never heard Mr. that one Makaka. before. That's great. That's great. Thanks. Nice. Thanks. Okay, this is Derek Makaka, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. To my left, I, I just don't have any inspiration to call you a bad name. So, uh, you know, uh, introduce yourself. Introduce myself? Yes. That's not nice. Hi, I'm Nate Costa. All right. And sitting across from me and, and really, truly hosting us tonight, because we don't normally have $5 T-shirts in the Brett Cave, but, no. but there are $5 T-shirts. In fact, I, I once bought one here because I have a great milk and cheese one. Uh, we are at the SLG Art Boutique and Gallery for the second time. Uh, we were here once before at Zombie Rama, and now sitting in on, as a panelist tonight, officially. Say your own name so I won't mispronounce oh, it. Oh, come Dan. on, Derek. <laughs> I'm scared. You know, I'm scared. Last time I was here, I don't, I don't, Nate wasn't here. I, I wasn't, I so, didn't get that introduction. That was, uh, Don Vade. Yeah, very good. Okay. Dan Vado. Dan, <laughs> look. You <laughs> can't even say I my name wrong, too. Dan Vado, president, SLG Publishing, owner of the art boutique, resident buzzkill. I almost said, "Listen up, fawn boys," <laughs> but nobody would understand All that. Right. And just, and just a feeling because we forgot to mention this the last time we when we interviewed you is we're going to give you you have a mainstream cred as uh, in the nineties you were also writer of Justice League. In the nineties, in the I wrote a few things, but my longest uh, string of writing extended. You, you tried you tried to untangle the ice maiden ice thing. And, I did. You know that was pretty bold. You know, oh man, don't get me started on that because people have still not let that go. Okay, you know? we might get you started later, but yeah. first I need to introduce, of course, <laughs> our podcast producer on Moral Compass, Rick Brett Snyder. There we go. You're Back the Moral to being Compass. Moral Compass, Compass I am, really? I uh, no, I just gave up trying to fight him on it. You know, <laughs> you anointed me; it stuck. We, we should. North we, just doesn't point to where you think it does. We here. should. <laughs> we should point out that that SLG stands for Slave Labor, Labor Graphics, in case right. people are not. As that's the as the rest of us. That is the I've been trying to like erase that name for years. That's what for I thought. It back home. That's why. Uh, that's why I didn't say it. Rick. No, that's okay. I'll never be able to shake it. It's it's fine. You know, it's, it's we all do things when we're younger. It's one of those things is, where if I'd have known, I'd still be doing this twenty six years later. I would have named the company something else. You know, but it's like Microsoft. Okay. Yeah, that would have been good for a comic book company. Sure, Microsoft. And what kind of name is that? Microsoft. These are the floppies. Yeah, you have nobody. Well, there were some magazines you could have sold with that title. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so yeah, we've got some uh, comics news. We've got some movie news. Actually, no TV or games. We're just going to talk comics and movies because there's a lot to talk about, or at least 
what there is to talk about will probably engender a lot of conversation. Um, and if you are uh, listening to this through iTunes, we do ask, of course, that you give us a, give us a, a rating, hopefully a, a nice rating. Subscribe. You can also pick us up on the Stitcher app, and you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com, where you could also you know, kick in a little bit of uh, a donation there on the PayPal, the which moolah. I got one this week. Excellent. Oh, uh, so I would like to say, so thank- we eat tonight. I do. Uh, <laughs> so and, I am okay, uh, and I want to thank uh, Linda Wetzelberger. Actually, doing a little. Doing oh, a little, nice! So she's paying for all those podcasts because I'm sure she just caught up. How many did she have to listen to? Two hundred eighty nine. I don't know that she listened to all of them. She said she did. It, she she, did? There was a strong implication. Linda, right in. Plus, did you? plus, she Man. keeps Chris Garcia off the streets some yes. nights. So yeah. you know, we should be paying her. Uh, so uh, there we go. Let's go. We've got. Uh, we can talk about Amazing Spider-Man, which is becoming superior. Uh, the uh, underground comic scene lost a major creator this week, and uh, and then a giant who who. Uh, we lost a few months ago, is still producing work. He's sort of like the Tupac of comics. And uh, and then the book that uh, I think uh, that will get Rick the most excited, all the pulp heroes come together in something called Masks. But in movies, there's so much. There's more Star Wars news. There's Guardians of the Galaxy news. There's Pacific Rim. There's X-Men Days of Future Past. Is Joseph Gordon-Levitt going to be Batman, Nightwing, or just sit on a pile of money? And Much Ado About Nothing, starring everybody that Joss Whedon's ever worked with, has <laughs> finally got a release date. And so let's go back to, boom, should we talk comics? We should note that a lot of our questions tonight did come from listeners who wrote on the Fanboy Planet We should note mostly Facebook Brian page. K. Shimada. Well, I mean, uh, Bill Bosser, Bill Bosser, and up Linda up. wrote and a question. Linda wrote a question, which is, have we read a book that we haven't? So, yeah. so yeah. strangely absent from the Facebook questions, Dave Tapia. Yeah, I hope he's okay. Me too. Yeah, our thoughts are out with you, Dave. Yes. Okay, so we're going to start off with what's going on with Marvel now. Uh, you picked up uh, Fantastic Four number one, which I did. Uh, and you were a huge fan a, of the uh, previous run. I am a huge Fantastic Four fan. It was the first book I started buying on a regular basis back with issue... Back when they were Fantastic Three. I think it was like 54 or something. The one, This Man, This Monster. That was my first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the Hickman run had a nice tidying up closure of that storyline. But in a strange way, it kind of carries over because we've got the family, which he he reestablished the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. as the first family of the Marvel Universe, and in, in, invented the FF, which was an extension of the Fantastic Future Foundation, Future Foundation oh, right. but also the book FF, um, which which is basically uh, the the Fantastic Four organization as a learning institution and um, in, investigative. Uh, creative group of brilliant uh, younglings. Um, it really strikes sort me. Sort of like Stanford's design school. Yeah. But with superpowers. Exactly. And fewer fish heads. Um, no, more fish heads. More fish heads. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, no, I was there. Yeah, the, fewer. The, uh, the, 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 the nice thing about this book is is the continuation of that feeling uh, that we've almost got a, like, if you were to say... National Lampoon's Vacation recast with the Fantastic Four. It seems like they're going to go on a road trip. They're going to ha- go off and investigate new worlds. All very light and fun. Not looking for looking for investigation and fantastic things. Not necessarily adventure. Of course, adventure. But find with them. with the vi- uh, there's a vision of future disaster. Yeah, we've we've got which, uh, 
Which Batman. is not the only Marvel now book to do that. I'm really kind of bothered by how many the prognostica- have, the, uh, have done those. Because yeah. the Thor book did the same thing, like showed Thor years from now. Yeah. And so, and we, we it actually starts off just kind like of Conan in uh, you know Schwarzenegger's Conan the Barbarian in the Cretaceous period. Something's going wrong with Mister Fantastic's biology, his his uh, mm-hmm. physical nature. And he's worried, and that's going to be kind of an undercurrent for this set of books. So, I'm I'm looking forward to future issues. I think that uh, Hickman had a great run. He went out on top, and we'll see what comes. And they're changing out. the title to "Mildly Interesting for <laughs> I think it's still going to be the world's greatest comic magazine. Now, uh, you know, Dan, have you been following any of the Marvel Now initiative? The concept? Mm-hmm. No, I just sort of on the periphery of it, just what I what I read on online and about. You know, people starting stuff off and whatever. And I so I, I don't. Re- I'm not familiar with the books. I don't really read a lot. I actually I don't read any Marvel comics. Uh, I don't really read any DC comics anymore either. Um, I'm, I'm one of those guys that everybody kind of lost and they lost me a long time ago. So I'm not going back. Um, but I mean, you know, what from a marketing a, standpoint, what if we left a trail of breadcrumbs? Would you come uh, back? Only well, only if it were something I'd eat. But. Um, <laughs> But I, bread. I, it's one of those. A trail of Jameson Well, there's shots. bread and there's bread. If you're going to leave Wonder Bread, I'm going to leave that for the rats. Or the, uh, you know. I don't think they're making Wonder Bread anymore. Wasn't that part of Hostess? Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, but Hostess is going to be bought by some. You hope. Company. Yeah. All right. But yeah. I, I, I'm probably, you know, the last person you want to ask about what's going on in a Marvel comic. I just look at it from the standpoint of how it's marketed, how it affects the direct the market, and where, you know, how, yeah. how might that affect me uh, as a, uh, as a, as a publisher and, I think that you know I, I like the initiatives like that because I think that that uh, the marketplace needs even if even if it doesn't work you know it needs at least the sort of appearance that the publishers care about people buying their comics you know and uh, and that's what it seems like mm-hmm. is going on so because uh, it seemed like for for too long publishers sort of took for granted that people would buy them and and you know. Finally, the whole world starts going to hell in 2008, and if you don't have the new 52, I mean, I'm not quite sure there'd be very many comic shops left. Uh, you can argue, you can say those books sucked, but they that whole initiative was needed, and I think you need another one now because, you know, as we're coming to the fiscal cliff, and who knows what's going to happen after, um, regardless of whether things get settled or not, the economy is going to be a slow ride and so the fiscal keep, clip a cliff is that dc or marvel yeah you that think one? that's like a crossover event between okay uh, i was not so sure. access i've been hearing involved. a lot about it access i haven't looked into it all right uh <laughs> i told you i was a buzzkill <laughs> you thought i was kidding but yeah i have nothing we're gonna to, do something yeah. before the world ends sure. uh <laughs> okay and it's not gonna be read comic books no 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 but i think it is <laughs> well, that's what i'm gonna well, maybe doing. if that's but I, well okay. but i think it's an interesting perspective I'm way behind it is an interesting perspective to get i am too but you know to get from a public <laughs> you know, from a publisher that even though you're not because we had derek mcculloch on a few a couple of years ago um who just wrote for vertigo a graphic novel called road to america and when i talked to derek he doesn't read comics at all. And I said, you know, why are you even working in this? Uh, he says, I don't know. I can't tell you why that's... Well, you know what? Actually, comics are heroin. I mean, if you ask... There are tons of people like Derek or like me even. Why do you do this? I can't tell you why. I just can't it gets, stop. It, it, it's just like that, really, to a certain degree. It kind of is because 
It's not a compulsion. I could clearly stop if I wanted to. And and, <laughs> and, and, I, and there are times that, that I really I want to stop. But it's like, you know, ending a 26-year run of publishing is like turning the Titanic. You, you just don't turn off the lights and not come back to work the next day. But, I mean, the thing about it is is that comics, why are you guys here talking about them? They get into your, they get under your skin. They really, they really, really just affect people in a way that, that, that nothing else does. When they're good storytelling, there's nothing better. Well, you're, but the thing is, how many bad comics do you read? That's true. I mean, because you, you say you that when they're waiting. good storytelling. It's like you wouldn't put up with this stuff out of a TV show. But I mean, there are I, some codependent relationships. Just, you just <laughs> say, like, here we are. Because poor Dan's been stuck getting exposed to our phantom stranger grumblings, which just never go away. It's like, yet we did buy three issues. <laughs> it's like, but it, that's just like, they, it's they, like they, oh, you, this is awful. You've got to try it. It's if like, I, exactly. <laughs> look at this crap. That was horrible. Is there more? Yeah. If I do have an issue with yeah, what goes on in, book. in the business or in the industry, it's like I, I'm envious at the fact, and I guess maybe people would disagree, uh, and I'm sure somebody would because not everybody likes my comics, obviously, but I'm envious of the fact that those two companies, Marvel and DC, can put out what people obviously agree is this is an endless stream of crap and everyone will still buy them and i don't get that i don't understand that and 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 i just i just wish that people were happier with what they bought because if they were then i wouldn't have a problem at all but so my my problem is that well money is being spent like you talk about you know gimmicks on on and you know now we're mm-hmm. we're we're you know doomed to repeat our mistakes from the past with all these variant covers and stuff, and the, that Justice League's going to have like what mm, 52, 52, yeah. 52 of them. That's just basically saying we can't get mit- that many people to buy this book, so we're going to just have to continue to to. Uh, uh, Which I am surprised know. by because Justice League had been selling very well, and but I guess everything does. It had its initial burst, and after the first storyline, I guess really you know once you had your dark side reestablished everything, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so and then you have this the latest issue with Cheetah, and I, we were talking about right. before the show. And, and it's killing time. Until I read that the, one, until and I big... thought, why am I buying this book? It's just not a good storyline. I'll tell you why, and I realized that one is because I was going to say I'm tired of Justice League, and then I know the next event is going to cross over with Aquaman, which I am enjoying. Mm. And so I know that that storyline is going to go, and, and, and I am careening from event that to event. That was the best thing about the uh, the Cheetah storyline was when she went into the water and Aquaman's in there with all the piranha. That was a cool shot. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, and, and to say, for all the, all the ripping on Jeff Johns I'll, I'm, I might do, I'll also say... That when he's on, and we've said it before, when he's on, like any writer, when he's on, he's really on. Like, he has an affinity for his vision of Aquaman, even though there are aspects of the origin that are messed with and the aspects of continuity that are messed with. I'm okay with it. Um, But when I go to now, Marvel Now, because I want to continue with a couple of the other books, is they're taking a completely different tack of trying to give people places to jump onto but that also don't feel too uncomfortable to the person who has not read these books at all. Uh-huh. Case in point, though I know I will go spoiler-free, I hope, that Nate has not read yet Indestructible Hulk, though he's looking forward to it. Right. Right. Yes, I am looking yes. forward to it. No, I have not read it yet. Okay. So <laughs> so what I really want, I was excited about it because it was Mark Wade and, and Lionel, Lionel Yu. Check. The team that had done Superman Birthright, which is one of my absolute favorite of the multitudes of retellings of Superman's origin uh, of, of his first year. I, I love that one. I find it very moving. Mark Wade always manages 
to me to get to the emotional heart of a character. And the interesting thing he said is so far he hasn't actually figured out the voice of the Hulk. Oh, really? So the Hulk, I don't think is a spoiler, doesn't really talk in the first issue of Indestructible Hulk. But what I thought was really great about it, and again, not a spoiler because it's page one. Can I can I get it to like yes, page three? I, I'm okay with spoilers in the book. I'm going to read it regardless okay, okay. of what you spoil. Is that we open with Maria Hill. Uh-huh. She's talking with Phil Coulson. Uh-huh. So basically, someone who walked in and saw the Avengers and went, Hulk was my favorite character. Here's this book that has Hulk and S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. You open up. You are immediately locked into two characters you know and enjoyed from that movie. And then there is a version of Bruce Banner and not having read any of the Hulk for a while. You know, right. I haven't really since Red Hulk kind of drove me away. Um and yeah, rightly so. Yeah, and rightly so. Uh, the vision, I was actually trying to read Bruce Banner's dialogue in a Mark Ruffalo voice in my head, uh-huh. and it worked. It sure does. And it, and it worked. So if Mark Wade doesn't have the Hulk down, which the movie doesn't really either, right? Because all he says is puny God. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's... Um, Hulk smash. He doesn't say Hulk Captain smash. America he said that. Says he says, yeah, yeah. So he only says puny God. <laughs> and so in the book... It feels like close enough to the Bruce Banner that you just that you saw in the DVD you just bought, and it also goes back to Bruce Banner that I think they abandoned for a while. Where, when I think this goes back to the Amadeus uh, show. show, but uh, after the after that, where Banner was actually someone woke up and said, you know, Banner is supposed to be like hyper smart, really smart, mm-hmm. and a planner and and a talker and able to. to to be well, and that's effective. been one of the that's been one of the expansions of the Marvel universe. It's like it's not enough because this just doesn't happen in real life. Richard Feynman, for example, probably one of the most brilliant physicists we ever had. Yeah, was not capable of solving every one of the world's problems if he has time to. You know, because the thing is, when Banner started. He was working in gamma radiation. Right. That does not... Being good at one field of science does not automatically make you good at all of them. And that's what's so funny to me about the Marvel Universe. The more I was thinking about it, it's like, everybody in the Marvel Universe, it's not enough. Like, if I was a Zorlak in the Marvel Universe, my ability to remember the secret identities of everyone and the continuity would also mean I'd cured cancer. That's right. (laughs) So... But it, I I'm enjoyed sorry that I've let you down. <laughs> I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just enjoyed this character. Oh no, I did. I thought it was funny. It's just like it's one of those things where it's like, really? Because I just don't know that we have anybody like that. I have a feeling, and it's a bad feeling that these char- that those people do exist, and they're all no, no, against us. That so I'm still so far behind that I haven't even finished Incredible oh, Hulk finished or I haven't finished Hulk yet, yeah. whatever they're calling yeah. it. The one that was split person, uh, split bodies, right? Yeah. So I need to. I'm very interested in figuring out how a they become one again, and b which is clear that they have, yeah, yeah. and then b how Banner is no longer, uh, excuse my language, a dick. No, he's kind of dickish. No, but th- he wasn't kind of. He was like he's not like crazy not, person. He trying was, to he blow was crazy in this series, okay. and yeah. I'm actually counting on you reading that because. I read the first issue, but I didn't read any further. I want you to tell me if I have to go back and read that stuff or I can just enjoy this one going yeah. forward. But because I save Hulk and Walking Dead for last, I'm way behind on Hulk. That's an interesting thing. That you save the ones you love the most for last? Yeah. I read the ones that I love the most. No. 
I get you, the crap you, out of the way do first. Do you eat ice cream before your broccoli? I don't eat ice cream, and I love broccoli. You're just you've been hanging out with Garcia too long. You're just saying that to be <laughs> no. Hungry. I love broccoli. Broccoli is delicious. Yeah, but Especially and I don't eat ice cream and bacon. I eat dessert after the broccoli. Okay. Bacon and broccoli be a little tough. No, I think that would work. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you like the? Did you like? I like the Indestructible Hulk. I also picked up the Thor, which is God of Thor, Th- God of Thunder, Thunder, which is written by Jason Aaron, who was writing the mm-hmm. Hulk arc that you didn't like. Second issue came mm-hmm. out this week. Yes, I haven't read the second issue yet, but I read the first issue, and I thought um, interesting. I was okay with that taking Thor into, into a search for the gods of other planets. Mm-hmm. I really hadn't seen that aspect before but again another one where I said like the Fantastic Four book there's this vision of the far future and so what I feel about the Marvel now is the thing that's going to work is again I think I've said about like Phantom Stranger that feeling that all of this is transitory all of this is temporary and that's okay because maybe it's like the J. Michael Straczynski run on Thor I can read that that book, and I don't feel like I have to continue on. So I can read, if I'm enjoying this version of Thor, I will read as long as Jason Aaron's telling his story uh-huh. about Thor, and then I will not feel guilty about not picking it up, which is not what Marvel truly wants to have happen, but I feel like that he's got a story in mind. That's going to be done. Well, yeah. how do you know the next guy won't have a story? In I mind don't too? know that, and maybe I will be intrigued. I don't know, but it, but it is. I, it, it it almost feels better making that investment, feeling like, well, I'm going to be done with this book someday. I actually can feel an end to it. Um, See, I'm a little tired of the let's find another pantheon for uh, Thor to inter- to interact with because. Back in the Basima and Thomas. No, but that's not what he's doing. He's not interacting with other pantheons. Right. Someone's killing them all. Uh Uh-huh. And it ties back to something in his own past. So he has encountered this god killer on Earth. Okay. And somehow beat it uh, back then. So, yes, because even the scroll of the secret invasion involved Hercules going after these other pantheons and they right. were all the gathering. Right. But this is different. This is, these are going to alien worlds we've never seen. Okay. And they have no gods. They don't have a mythology. They don't, oh, they be- don't, they don't believe in wonder because someone has killed all their gods. Oh, interesting. And someone, some child on this planet heard the legend of Thor and praised to Thor for rain. And so Thor answers gives rain and says you know and and where are the gods and talks and and okay so at least that's that's dealing with some interesting things like it was, it prayer was, it was and really interesting godhood yeah, and, and, and worship and, and that kind of thing which you have to always be a little careful about yeah, in, I, in in comics but it was a pretty bold but some of the better literature like uh american gods for example right. deals with that directly yes you know. and so this was an interesting way to deal with with alien cultures yeah. and i thought so that was interesting i picked up x-men legacy i found that rather difficult to follow Apparently, so has much of the Blogoverse, if yes. you will. Who's um, writing that? A size Spurrier. So, I chose not to pick up the second issue of that. I've got the first. I've always been iffy on David Xavier as a character, uh, Legion, um, and so it was really hard to figure out what was going on at first with it, and mm-hmm. then and once I did, it, I was like, nah, I, I really don't care. Yeah. But I did. I did go in ahead and pick up all new X Men number two. And uh, then at the urging of, I believe, Nate, again, because I always listen to you, Amazing well, you Spider-Man, should. Amazing Spider-Man 698. 
which oh. is leading into super, Superior Spider-Man. According to Dan Slott, that was the issue to get. Uh, and I will tell you, it was a very interesting game changer. I don't, I have a theory, I don't want to be a spoiler because obviously you haven't read it and I know Rick has not. Um, I have a theory as to what's going on, and I don't think it's what everybody wants to just blindly say is going on. How could that happen? I think something else is happening. Uh-huh. But it's enough to go, it is an interesting take on the character. It is an interesting take on the book to not to not go, you know, not, again, not to do spoilers, but, I, but absolutely going with a, a, a small period of time calling it Superior Spider-Man because I don't for a second believe that we will never see Amazing Spider-Man again as a title, um, especially when you have a movie franchise that you have to feed people into, <laughs> you know, um, the kid who goes to see Amazing Spider-Man number two. Well, it depends on what they do with the character itself because he's nobody calls him. You don't know yet. You you have to read okay. it to know what's All actually right. happening. All right. Well, let's maybe we should okay. do real coverage of this at issue seven hundred. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so in, you picked up, but you didn't read Masks, right? From right, Dynamite? right. Okay. But I've been reading The Shadow all the way through and uh, The yeah, Spider. Well, I, I think I'm caught up on The Shadow. The, what do you think about The Shadow? Uh, I liked the first arc a lot. Uh-huh. I think the second arc didn't quite grab me as much as be at the beginning. But the we'll annual? See. Did you read the annual? Uh, I did not get the annual. The annual was a nice little, it was almost like the first arc only is one. You a big pulp fan, Dan? That's your back? No, 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 I actually enjoy the pulps. It's uh, they're they're fun and exciting. They were, you know, yeah, <laughs> they were really <laughs> they're fun and exciting, and then and they uh, they they kind of appeal to a certain prurient interest, you know, which is like, oh, I wish I could be that guy. Yeah, you know, I'm going to beat you up because that's the way I deal with things. So, you know, I, I really I think that probably uh, uh, affected the way I wrote uh, or the way I tackled fiction. It's why I'm a buzzkill, actually, because I got to be that. I got to be the dour guy. It's like, oh, you know, oh, you're I, like Smitty in Justice Incorporated. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so okay. It's like I'm that guy. So, um, yeah, yeah, we just went pulp on you, Nate. That's uh, I stopped like, listening. I know you did. Ago. <laughs> hey, I've already got my triumph for having tricked you into a Doctor Who yeah. thing, uh, meme on the uh, on the internet. Um, yeah, so masks but, is I can't remember who the writer is now on this, but uh, but Alex Ross is painting it. Uh, He's doing the interiors? The interiors, and uh, that really surprised me. So the spider... The spider is actually my favorite character. But is the spider costume, is that actually like how it's described in the novels? I don't remember it looking like that. I don't think it looks exactly like that. But I think they're taking some liberties to make it look a little bit more... Because I think he's more just like a slouch hat like the... uh, Yeah. uh, He's got long hair, and I think he affects vampire teeth. He has two rings... Yeah, that he stamps people with, kind of like phantom. Because he's kind of crazy. I mean, that's my recollection from the novels. Is he's kind of like that's a really crazy identity. Yeah. It's like it's like going putting. <laughs> it's like if you made the Hunchback of Notre Dame yeah. uh, a uh, superhero. You're a super like, identity. I know what I'll do. <laughs> Criminals are afraid of hunchbacks. <laughs> She'll put this on, and Charles Lawton's eye looks really freaky in that. So I'll put exactly. that makeup on, um, and then you go out and fight crime. So, um, but the the, the spider, comic, the, the shadow, and the green hornet, the green and Kato. hornet, Kato. I'm also getting a sense that it's going to... You haven't read it yet. No. I have a feeling they're going to tie Zorro in. Uh, I think Zorro was in some of the promotional materials. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm hoping that I real And then that was the first time it clicked in my head that Dynamite was also publishing Lone Ranger. So at least, tangentially, the Lone Ranger and Green Hornet in comics can be related again. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. I don't think the the issue was paced particularly well. You haven't read it yet, but you come back next week on that. I I don't think it was... uh, divided into two stories and 
but it didn't think it needed to be. It just did. Yeah. It was just an awkward. But I don't think we've covered we've covered Ma- uh, the uh, the Shadow or uh, we talked the about the Shadow. We talked about the Shadow when it first came. They're both solid books, which I don't say a lot for. And, the, we, and, the and you and diamond. you have mentioned that about yeah. the Spider and we and when the first issue of the Shadow came out, you yeah. know, it, yeah, they're they're solid. Yeah. Don West doing doing decent work, right? Um, and then, and, and then I noticed in the back was a house ad, and I had not caught this, was that they are doing an incontinuity in canon for the novels, not the sci-fi TV series, of the Dresden Files, mm-hmm. written by Jim Butcher. I assume probably like by an outline by Jim Butcher and then someone else's writing. Yeah, because doing comic bubbles is a little yeah, different. It's then. called uh, Ghoul Goblin. Hmm. So they have a picture, Dresden Files, in canon. So if you're a fan of that novel series, I felt, since I know I have a lot of friends that, Really love that the, that book series. It's a shout out and say acknowledgement. Yeah, it's a, I mean, come and see very that. very successful book series. I think they're up to like twenty novels now. Um, and they it's one of those ones where it was originally paperback all the way through, and then they started publishing hardback like halfway mm-hmm. because it was selling well, count. right? Yeah. So and so then they it's did worth the that one, extra money one season of the show on Sci Fi Channel, which was a bit weak. Uh, it wasn't wasn't as, as your good kind. As I have many friends that uh, that hated it like they they will salt the earth and little circle spit and yeah you know. i think one of the problems was they, still they not as bad as hawkman of mongo like on sci-fi so, i'm gonna talk right over that <laughs> like so many so many sci-fi channels uh shows they just didn't have the budget to really do the special effects the way they should have been done so that's that okay okay and then uh oh ndc released you know we mentioned joe kubert had uh Passed away yes. uh, a few months ago, but he was still contracted to do some books, so um, he's still doing them. Uh, and it's kind of that's <laughs> a hell of a contract. You never miss a deadline at DC. <laughs> no, not anymore. Oh, you'll get literally canceled. a deadline. Yeah, the guy's <laughs> dead. Dead. He's going to be eyes blazed like coals. <laughs> well, I'd kind of forgotten. I, you know, I think when he died, we did. As it was been mentioned that he still had this series called Joe Kubert Presents Done, and I told I just totally forgot about it because. Yeah. I think uh, about three or four weeks ago, around Halloween, uh, Vertigo had released this anthology called Ghosts, which featured an unfinished Kubert story. Uh, did you have you seen no, it? So it's penciled uh, really roughly, and they had the balloons were penciled in, or were the spaces where they'd be. You know, he would do the squares in because he's a very square ballooned guy. Like when he was doing his own own mm-hmm. work, everything the balloons were all square. Um, and then they, and then somebody else did the actual lettering over it, but it was still very clearly rough pencils. So it was a ghost story that they had uh, hired from him, but he'd passed away before before inking it. So they published his was. I thought that was going to be the last of what we what we see of Joe Kubert. Uh, but then this um, this Joe Kubert presents is inspired by him remembering being able to pick up for a dime as a kid, though probably not a not a very young kid because then he started like age seventeen and. Mm-hmm. 47 like he was drawing golden mm-hmm. age hawkman yeah. you know actually in the golden age um so he was picking up an early i think he said action whereas then thought for a dime you'd get these different features that really didn't have that much in common it wasn't all superheroes it was right. you'd have a funny animal you'd have something else uh, an action story a superhero story a detective story that kind of thing so he's wanted to revive that concept and apparently like this idea started when paul levitz was still publisher so um, good on Dan DiDio for continuing through with that and, and, and allowing. So the anthology is four ninety nine. Uh-huh. Uh, the second issue just came out. Totally missed the first issue. We didn't otherwise would have talked about it. Uh, picked it up. So the first issue has a Hawkman story from the Thanagarian Hawks uh, visiting Africa before they actually 
uh, came to Earth to fight Bith, which I think still stands as the way the origin went. I don't Who know. Knows? I'm uh, surprised <laughs> the book's still in being published. Uh, that's the Savage Hawk, but that's a different Carter. That's not oh, the, yeah. He's not the alien. Uh, so this is the Thanagarians, and yeah. they have a, a decent story. Then he got Sam Glansman out of retirement, and I've read a couple of things, and I, I, I just put a piece up on Fanboy Planet about it, about, on the site about it, and so I realized that Sam Glantz was one of those guys that he really did pioneer the autobiographical comic. I think even before Harvey Picard was doing it, but because they were war comics, he was talking about his experience in the war, people didn't pay attention to it. They thought he was just writing war comics. And so he's writing and drawing the st- stories autobiographical. About, uh, about being a Marine, in world, uh, not a Marine, uh, a Navy man in, uh, in World War II. So he's brought out a story for that. And then this guy, Brian Bunniak, writes and draws a, a revival of Angel and the Ape. I loved Angel Which and the I Ape. Which I wish Angel and the Ape was being published. I wish the market would allow. And the New 52, except it would totally ruin. The only great thing about Angel and the Ape, if you put it in the New 52, is there is no, con- no well-known continuity to stuff in there. Right. So, you know. I, Isn't the ape related to Gorilla Gun? That's what Phil Foglio said. I said, yeah. Phil, I know. I, Foglio's uh, continuity just isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to fly. I think he's. Sometimes you got to just let the monkey be a monkey. <laughs> yeah. Or in this case, an ape. But you know what yeah, I mean? Wow. It's like, believe it, there's nothing wrong with big, giant gorillas going around talking and, and drawing comics. And being funny. Detective, you know, it's like, yeah. well, just be that. That's okay. You know? It, you might put it no, out there and discover no. that, oh, this is actually going to be better than anything else we're doing. Dan, they have to all be yeah. interconnected. I mean, because if you can't, if you don't, fe- if your reader doesn't feel like he should have bought five or six other comics in order to understand the one yeah. that you bought. Well, your reader should feel like they want to buy five <laughs> or six other comics because they want to read them. Uh, it's just like you running know, into like, somebody. Well, i got to understand this one, so i got to buy six other ones. You heretical downer. I know. <laughs> I am. I told you I was a buzzkill. It's just like running into somebody Listen. from Canada. You have to ask, hey, I know somebody in Canada. Yeah. Do you know? No. And, and they so do. It, you know what Canada's yeah, small. Yeah. But this if, is, but this is what I think. What they really should have done, this is where they missed on the new 52. Great. They started everything over. What they should have said right from the beginning is, and this has an expiration date. We're going to push the button and blow everything up in five years. And spread throughout over the next five years Countdown. is a clue <laughs> To how the DC universe is going to end. And then five years from now, Krypton's going to explode again, and we're going to start all over. Well, again. guess what? They kind of have done that. Oh, have they? Yeah. It's See, just, that's, uh, that's the only thing that makes sense. It's only the cynical readers that are going, yeah, this is going to blow up again. This is Well, they have to because it's like they can't continue this stuff like on infinitum. They need to... The, had to address the the idea that at some point people leave this hobby and they might come back to it, but you need to address the fact that you get a whole new group of people that need to have an entry point to it, mm-hmm. and and they're not going to have it if you're still addressing twenty year old continuity and trying to like oh here's twenty five books go read that one and you'll know what this two ninety nine comic book meant it's five hundred pages yeah and it's like okay it's a showcase edition I'm fine with that talk about a, a, an era where you can't get a kid to read you know half of a textbook you know for a grade to get himself to another level in school no one's going to read a thousand pages of comics to understand one you unless know? there are sparkling vampires I guarantee you well, that's get silly. a bunch of <laughs> people to read a thousand pages of that because they did. So this this uh, this. Sorry, wait a minute. Is, wait a minute. My soul is just recovering. Okay, okay go ahead. Yeah. So it's six issues. Six issues for Joe okay. Cooper presents. The second issue uh, is the main, main feature by him is a story called Redeemer, which had been announced like back in the eighties. 
So it's kind of this great lost project of Joe Kubert's. Excellent. Uh, where there's a, a mysterious being who looks a lot like I hate Shaz- that because I'm going like to love that Shazam. story. Yeah, it's gonna, yeah. Shazam or Captain Marvel? No, Shazam. The wizard. Mm. He looks like the wizard. He's called the Infernal One. So it, it's billed as a sci-fi epic, but it's really talking about the nature of good and evil. And i got to say, I felt like you. I am at a loss for the political concept that opposes that, that, that in the last election we were talking. We know that this is not to make a statement. Paul Ryan. <laughs> Where are you going? Paul Ryan was a follower of Ayn Rand. Right. Right. So objectivism. What is the political concept that goes the opposite of uh, uh, the opposition of objectivism? Or I, or Ayn Randian. They were saying it's not Keynesian economics. It was. Does that have to be an opposite? I was going to say Judeo Christianity, <laughs> but um, or, or human simple human decency, yeah, decency, yeah. yeah, and that's what <laughs> and that's what's going on because really the spirit cl- of Christmas because because you know uh, Kubert, magnificent magnificent draftsman, and you know there's even a page in, in this story where it's all blackouts and where he's placing the balloons. Are t- is telling the story so well as it, you know as to what's actually going on in a fight scene in the dark. I'm like, that's very, that's well done, well done, sir, well done. But um, this one, it, it's a little awkward in the writing as far as the characters are kind of kind of blunt in this. You should be looking out for yourself. You should be, you know, like the the message is not particularly well veiled. Uh huh. You know, so um, that's a, I think. But and the infernal one says there's this 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 being that keeps getting reincarnated. He gets stronger and stronger. He's the redeemer. He will redeem all mankind's souls. And we've got to stop him. You know, our job is in each incarnation to kill him. And so it then goes to the 26th century, and there's this young guy who's obviously going to be the redeemer. The redeemer. And uh, you know, so even though it's science fiction, it's definitely dealing with the issues of good versus evil in a spiritual manner. So tricky. Tricky. Twenty-four pages, and then it ends, and then there's another Sam Landsman story, and the second part of the angel. How many Age pages story. do you get for five bucks? You get forty-eight okay. of story, no ads. No ads. There are some text pieces explaining what's going on, and okay. essentially the last editorial by Joe. Cooper. So you would recommend this? To I do recommend. I would recommend it to you of okay. all people, but uh, but definitely to people who appreciate uh, Kubert, uh, just great art and simple storytelling for its own sake, because they're not going to go anywhere. You know, I mean, that's it. It's within this six issues. That's what. Where everything's going to be, and I just appreciate the different kinds of stories. Like, when was the last time I picked up a war book? Except maybe the last time DC, and this has been years, comped us an issue, like sent me a comp issue. You read the, the Sergeant time. Rock uh, thing? That, he that was the did? last thing that they comped. Okay. It was Joe Kubert's uh, Sergeant Rock, the, was, uh, the one with the the little kid that was yeah. uh, you know going around. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of cool, and then. You know, on a on a buzzkill note, perhaps in the in the underground world, they lost uh, Spain, the artist, not the country, the artist Spain Rodriguez, who mm-hmm. trash man, right? That was trash the man. one trashman. Yep, uh, which I read way too young. Um, I read just at the right time. Well, you're you're a little bit older, a little bit. Uh, so um, you understood a lot of what was going on, I and did. my mother did not want to explain to me, and then was very horrified that I had this book. Nice. Um, it was that book, Comics, that big hard C O M I X that had uh, excerpts from it a lot of underground stuff. Of a lot of underground. Yeah, a lot yeah. of underground. Spain stuff. was was a tremendous draftsman beyond the notion of, of what he did with comics, but he's a tremendous artist, and it's it's really. I hope that. You know, if anything, and it's very sad the way he kind of came to his end, but um, uh, 
that maybe people will take an opportunity to go and explore all the work that he did, especially in the underground. I would buy. I would buy. Now, a my, I had a personal. My only personal experience with him was I when I first started publishing, and I, I he was at a convention that I was uh, helping sponsor. And I went to him. I gave him some comics. I go here. I published these, and he just looked at me and said, "Get away from me!" And that was it. And so that's my Spain right oh. story. <laughs> what? Yeah. This is like okay. And yeah. so, by the way, kids, Dan yeah. passes that on. If you come up to him with comics, he says, "Get away from well, me." Well, that's I actually, I actually do do that. <laughs> and people come up to me all the time with their work, and I and I actually my response is, "You sure you want me to look at that? Because I'm not going to not be honest about what I think." He, he the what I loved about his work was just like super saturated black ink work. I mean, just this, he didn't do a lot of hatch work. He didn't do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, screens or anything. It was just like black and white, bold, heavy, uh, heavy inset uh, cheeks and stuff. The um, the trash man character was kind of a reaction to the James Bond characters, but he right. he was kind of a like an agent and fighting almost like a hydra but this was this was the underground comics that so was he was stoned a lot violence right? yes. and yeah it was it was just that's what i recall most is stopping the light it up it's kind of like a kind of like a super white shaft underground hippie <laughs> with a gun how many more things can you fit in that oh, <laughs> dolomite dolomite uh, there was there might have been a blackenstein in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's very square-headed um so but just great and incredibly detailed. I mean, there's the, just the, so the much going on really in the panels. And, and, and all, a lot of the stuff that came out around that time uh, kind of gets glossed over and, and not thought about in regards to how it impacts pe- how people draw today. But there's a lot of people, not necessarily drawing superhero comics, but were influenced greatly by mm-hmm. those. And, and it, you know, there's, you were talking about Joe Kubert. And there's really a lack of appreciation today for the artist who, you know, is a draftsman, who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of emphasis on flash and style. And, and ever, I, you know, the, I think the one thing that I, I, I despise that happened in the comic book industry is everybody discovered the computer and what you could do with it. And, you know, now you're covering up what is really essentially just potentially some beautiful work. Right now, people don't even make the effort half the time to really understand how to draw because like oh i'll finish this i'll add this i'll do that i'm like no just draw it draw it put it down on paper and then cover you know put, yeah put some ink on it and then that's your that's your work you know that oh, i'm gonna put this into photoshop and do this and do that and what those guys did and and did for so long i think you know, going all the well, way back to Will of... Eisner and, and, oh, and yeah. Jack Kirby and whatever. It's like those guys did it with a pen and paper. Yeah, well, today I think you, know? you have to you have to go non-mainstream to get the kind of like Chris Ware. Like yeah, exactly. Work, right? I mean, yeah. you know, the the true draftsman, the true craftsman, and then the the true artist. Well, I think it wasn't just comic books that did that. I think comic strips. I, and I, I like one I blame, even though I find it funny, is Tilbert. Uh-huh. Um, Scott Adams style is there's no, you know, the, what's the guy that draws dark dork. Tower, uh, Kovalev, yeah. John. He yeah. had I, this thing I put on Facebook. He did this tribute to Charles Schultz, and it's really, really moving about how simplistic Charles Schultz was seemed. Uh huh. But what a, again? What he got into w- the panels? What he his craft was that he knew, you know. And and that's exactly. I feel like that it's the same thing. And I've been I read some complaint about from some guy who had worked at DC trying to train Rob Liefeld, who was a 
popular punching bag for this kind of thing, but how like you could sell even when he was drawing Hawk and Dove, like these are your weaknesses, and but because everybody threw money at him and he became this fan favorite. He didn't have to listen to anybody say, "Yeah, these are the weaknesses to your work." But you have some great well, things going. The worst thing that can happen to an artist is they succeed early, you yeah. know, and then they believe that that uh-huh. success is somehow related to the fact that the, to something other than they got lucky. You know, yeah. Rob Liefeld got tremendously lucky. He was—I mean, I'm not saying he was without talent, but um, I, I think there were a lot of people who could draw a thousand times better than him, and he just landed in the right space and the right time and the mm-hmm. right place and. You know, right when somebody else was doing something else kind of similar that became extremely popular, and then right. suddenly the whole world is opening their doors, and then and then what happens? It's like guys, I mean, his writing when he went off to do his own stuff is practically illiterate. You know, so it, yes, you know, there's a lot to be said. It's like you know, keep keep yourself grounded. You yeah. know, and, and mm-hmm. you see it in a lot of things that involve the arts. We do a lot of live music here in our in our space now and and one of the things that i really like is seeing guys who are struggling because they're working really hard uh-huh. you know people who who are doing their own stuff that sounds very dark yeah well but the thing is is that, like that, that being an artist struggling. is really dark yeah. it's a really you go to you go to a different place when you're even if you're but a, there's a, there's well, a, any kind of art even you're a writer or whatever it's like you have to go you have to get in touch with something that's yeah. that's really you. you're watching somebody dig down to something well, right that, they, they have to yeah. you have to get in uncomfortable places and then the, the, one of the things when i look at comics i ask myself do i think this is a sincere effort or is this yeah. just somebody? And if it's not, then it's not worth my well, time. Well, and we've talked about like who the guys that you're publishing. You know, the the guys that do Pinocchio, Vampire Slayer, so forth. Outside, is there anybody, any book that you're that you pick up that you would say right now you would acknowledge as this is sincere? This is well, I, I mean, not to it's say that not, I can't. I don't but, really. I only read the comics people send me, so I, I'm not a really good judge of that anymore because uh, things being what they are, I just don't spend that much money on comics anymore. But I mean, when you look at you bring up Chris Ware, mm-hmm. um, when we're not publishing him anymore, but Evan Dorkin, mm-hmm. oh, I love Evan. That is a guy like I know him. I'm sorry, I love <laughs> Evan Dorkin. Sure, because I bought the milk and cheese shirt from your from my Iraq for my five dollar bin. Um, the Evan Dorkin, whatever whatever he says about his work, it's all wrong. He's just he's a, he's a he's a maniac on a on a lot of levels. But everything that he puts down on paper is a hundred percent sincere it's a hundred percent evan it's it's whether no one could ever you know try to do something like what he does because what he does is just him yeah mm-hmm. right and uh that's that's the guy who i think has like you know a boatload of talent and and could you know possibly do that whatever he wanted to as long as he wanted to do it yeah you know, you can obviously there are people when you're an artist and then and you do that professionally. And I'm not talking about Evan now; it could be anybody, uh, is anybody. But you do that professionally, and somebody offers you a job, and you take it. And and one of the problems that artists have is they overcommit mm-hmm. because you the, every artist thinks and 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 I they can't argue with me on this. Every artist thinks the next job he gets is going to be the last one he ever does because that's the way they think. You mm-hmm. know. And it's like, okay, I'm going to take that job. Then somebody offers you another job while you're in the middle of something. It's like, okay, I'm going to take that one too. And I'm going to take in, I'm going to it's line like up all this stuff. somebody has starving for a while hoarding yeah. food. Well, because it's like going back to the music analogy here. It's like the people over here are like, 
you know, coming in and they, the money they might make playing in this warehouse might be like the 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 twenty or thirty dollars they make selling a T-shirt and a couple of CDs. Yeah. You know, so if somebody offers them a gig somewhere else where it might actually pay a little bit better, they're going to take it. Yeah. Because oh, this is a paying gig. Now forget that it's like I got to drive fifty miles and it's going to cost me more in gas than this guy's paying me. But they're going to take Been it. There. And then it's like you're going to continue to take all these gigs regardless of how it might impact the gig you're currently doing because the other ones might pay. And and that's the way that, that you know, it's tough trying to make a living from a creative process because from from the, the, the reader end, from, from the fan end, you just see the end product, you know. And from our end you know we see everything that went up to it and, and so you top it you, you, it's on top of all the ones that didn't actually make it yeah too. well and it's like you know there's just all these starts and fits and and, and whatever but you know you, you pop out a, a, a and i'm not talking about like marvel and dc comics which are kind of assembly line stuff to a certain degree but you take something like we do a guy might have worked for for two or three years on something and then we pop it out there and it gets a couple of reviews here and there and maybe sells a thousand copies and then that's it. And then you never hear about it. It's like, it was three years of that guy's life. Yeah. You know? And and the story was something that was real and important to him, you know, or her. And and it's hard to, to put like a monetary value on that. I was like, what is that worth? It's not really a page rate. It's not about the money. It's about the finished product. And that in a itself is sort of an accomplishment in some ways and i i kind of wish that the the thing that kind of lost me in terms of of sort of modern day comics and modern day superhero comics wasn't that i don't enjoy superheroes i don't enjoy the ones that are out now but there's just such a stranglehold put on on the creativity you know like i i think they all just let people go nuts with some of this stuff you know, you're going to have six Superman titles in a month. Let, let two of them be whatever somebody wants to do and see what happens. Maybe if nobody buys it, then you don't do it again. But you're not, you're not, it's not heresy to put a big brain on Jimmy Olsen, you know, one more time. <laughs> or, I don't know. Or, or let done. Lana Lang be B-Girl, you know. I mean, they, come on. There's there's nothing it's wrong with that. Days I do. <laughs> Insect Queen. That's yeah. What it was, yeah. Well, let's take a pause here. Because you mentioned you have live music. What do you have coming up on the docket for music so that we can maybe do a little promotion? Now? We uh, well, we have our first Friday event coming up, which if you're familiar, which is with actually that, tomorrow. Yeah. So no, no, no. It's it's a week from tomorrow. Uh, oh, it's the right, tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. So that's December seventh. Yes. Um, we have a series here called the Big Rock Show. Uh, the first Friday is always jazz. Uh, the big Big Rock Show. Um, we have one on the first. Uh, with a local band called 819, which if you've ever watched a series called Trailer Park Boys, they have an entire set that's sort of like inspired by the Trailer Park Boys. Okay. So you know, if you got it, you want to you need to come down and see these guys because they're they're very <laughs> okay. entertaining. Um, and then we're actually quiet for most of December because people really don't go to shows oh, yeah, during yeah. the holidays, and we have one big show on on the 28th with a local band called the Yawn Worth Yelling, and another one called Troubadour. Okay. Uh, and so those are rock shows. December and then we, somewhere in the middle of that on December 13th, we have uh, our our monthly jazz jam. So if you have an instrument and you like jazz, come on down. And even if you don't, come on down. Okay. Do you um, know where the name 819 came from? Yes, I do. Is it Howard Stern? It's not. Okay. It's It has to do with how late the bass player was for practice. He was okay. eight hours and 19 minutes late for practice. That's late. That's funny, too. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
There's a Howard Stern caller that always says 819, 819. Because uh, H-S is 8 and 19. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and what's the address here? Is 577 South Market in San Jose. You can also visit the gallery's website at com. A-R-T-B-O-U-T-I-K-I. Stupidest name ever for an art gallery. No, I like You're not good with names. I'm not. <laughs> You're not good with I liking really your think names. Like, I, it's not, not a bad name. No, no, no. Well, I, I, I liked it, but it's like people come in here and it's like, where's the bar? I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 <laughs> opened a restaurant like, called what's... Poop Stick. Look at all. <laughs> people walk in here and then That's they... a bad name. <laughs> people will walk in and see the comics and not understand where they are. It's like, I thought I was coming to... Where am I? I don't understand. Speed ramp on through the... You are everywhere at once. That's what I like about this place. It's so many things at once. It is. It, it's it's actually... It's kind of like how my brain works, so I kind of like this. Oh. Sadly, it's how my brain works, because it's, it's sort of... I mean, there's zombie pictures on the wall. There's, you know, vinyl record album covers behind the stage, and yeah. there's uh, graffiti art behind the stage. There are uh, Star Wars Kenner vehicles yeah. floating in the air, and... Uh, and then they got the comic books up front. And, and a Shogun Warrior. Yeah. I mean, what more could you ask for, really? They just walk in here every day and go, like, I feel happy. That's awesome. Yeah. He's like, I'm happy here. I like it. He's just like, <laughs> you know, there's... there's. So for everyone else, he'll be a buzzkill, but for himself, inside, he <laughs> oh, is I, you he's know, a giddy little schoolgirl. I decided a long time ago, <laughs> I was done with trying to make people feel happy. You could change no the name way. to Dan's Happy Place. No, I don't need people there. <laughs> <laughs> My wife... Because that's, that's actually... You want to talk about dark. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's some stuff you don't want to get into. Okay. What's next on the agenda? Uh, let's go to movies because um, some Bill Bossert wrote in on our Facebook page and asked if how we felt about the new official director for Star Wars. Yes. And he found out before we did. It must have been the time difference because he's on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, that Matthew Vaughn has officially been named as director of Episode Seven. Gee, Derek, what has my Matthew Vaughn done that might be excited cake? about this? Layer cake. Yeah. With okay. Daniel Craig. With Daniel it's the Craig. movie that got Daniel Craig, uh, James Bond. James Bond. Oh, okay. uh, but you also know him as uh, Stardust, so he adapted Neil Gaiman. Uh, he I also uh, directed Kick-Ass. Perhaps you're familiar with that That was a film. kick-ass movie. And X-Men First Class. And just, you're just gleaning onto that now? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, and then he just recently changed jobs with Brian Singer he was going to direct X-Men the Days of Future team, Past, and then they switched, and now he's producing X-Men Days of Future Past. Excellent. And uh, uh, Mark Millar said it was so he could direct uh, one of his comic projects. But it turns out, no, that the rumors were true, that he was uh, he is was in negotiation to direct Episode 7. Excellent. So I think he could bring an interesting sense of wonder to it all. I think he's a decent storyteller. It depends on... Well, I'm trusting the screenplay. Matthew Arndt, who wrote uh, Toy Story 3 and Little Miss Sunshine, which is a weird juxtaposition of uh, yeah. of stories. Yeah. And is also working on the, on the Phineas and Ferb movies, so I know he's funny. This is going to be weird. I, I'm, actually, I'm actually now starting to feel like this movie is actually going to happen. So you like, didn't I, feel like that? I, it's all felt three like weeks a ago? big blurry mess. Uh, no, no. Disney is an unstoppable juggernaut. Yeah. I think, I think uh, well, you've had some dealings with them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I still can't sit down because of that. Um, <laughs> okay. But you know, on this, I think you know, with Matthew Vaughn, 
uh, I think you have an opportunity here to the first Star Wars movies. People don't kind of get it. It's like those were very character driven. So mm-hmm. the the first yeah. three, which is four, five, and six, and then right. the ones that were one, two, and three were sort of like special effects driven, right? And so I think with the, with the people when you talk about Little Miss Sunshine, you, you're talking about a writer who really gets character and yeah. and understands oh, that. And so I'm hoping for a little bit more in Toy Story as well. They get character. They get the they understand that people identify with that, and it's not just the momentum of the big you know. Uh, Death Star blowing up again or whatever. Right, right. It's it's the uh, it's the notion that these that a good movie is about good characters and a, and a good story that moves mm-hmm. them along. And I think that 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 Matthew Vaughn has a sensitivity to it. And I it's really going to kind of depend on who ends up sort of like taking point and saying, are, are we going to make this more about you know those characters or are we going to make this more about just you know making a toy. You know, or yeah. extending the the franchise. Oh, I think they're going to be toys. Well, I think they could oh, do both. Yeah, they, they can, could do all. The of thing the about above. it is that they yeah. could do both. People love that stuff to the extent, and, and I think you know, you go back and you look, right. and even from the extent of toys, it's like, well, the you know, the Luke Skywalker toy still outsells, you know, most of the other stuff from the newer movies, the prequel movies, and and as cool as all that stuff was. Um, you know, it, it, to look at it, just right, didn't have it had no lasting impact. Everybody we, still we wants them. Luke and Han. Pe- we didn't like the younger version of Obi Wan. We didn't like the right, right. Anakin. Well, people went nuts, you know, trying to find the ver- the Millennium Falcon in Episode Three, right? You know, it's like, yeah. oh, it's in there for like a, I don't know, like like a half a second, and there it is. But pe- people like talk about Wait, it so because they're you're really impacted. I'm going to have to watch episode three. Yeah, again they're really affected the, by those those I original stories and those characters <laughs> because they're about people. They're about it's about people in a galactic struggle as opposed right. to about the galactic struggle, which really which I couldn't follow in those scenes. You know, right, it's like oh, you're making the Trade a, Federation. Oh, great, let's talk economics. That's the way to get the kids involved. Yes. Yeah, 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 you're you're right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Every kid is right there with your economic uh, mumbo jumbo. Uh, it's like oh, a rich guy is espousing on what how to you know. My favorite was the midichlorians. Oh, listen. Uh, they oh. finally explained how the force works. I didn't want the. Uh, okay. Nobody need to do that. I mean, it, it was Just great. Wish upon a star. Now you can. When you, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good, good choice. And then Lawrence Kasdan got hired. They said to write episode eight, but now they're now it looks like actually because Disney's very canny, um, is actually hiring to do a, a side project to the Star Wars universe. That, Interesting. That Disney may be interested in going expanded universe in, st- in, in film, which we speculated about on the podcast. Uh, that they that they may go that they may go into darker areas. Yeah, well, have, since we since we had that, it's it's been recognized among fans as being a very strong st- story from Lucas. That all the books that that, that have been approved by Lucas mm-hmm. are canon, and that they all happened in this extended universe. And that's been such a marketing, uh, such a strong marketing story because people are reading story. You read so many of these. These off books, off of series that don't have any tie into the real story, and often, like especially those stormtrooper zombie books you loved. No, those storm those are canon. Yes, those but are, that's right. what I mean. That's what, it's like that's in canon. There right, are zombies right. in the Star Wars universe. But but occasionally you do like if you do series books, they they don't necessarily. Oh, right. Do, no, they don't like, necessarily fall in, or they may be nullified by something. No, like I can't but read the I can't read the Dark Horse Buffy. 
books until right. Joss Whedon came in and said season eight. Exactly. That's a very good example. None of, the, none of them mattered. But they're already making noise about saying that the canon might be reversed, that they may not honor what's what's gone before in the canon, which is kind of, as 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 a fan of that, I'm not not happy about that. So, but for new fans, yeah. For I mean, you got it. I'm I'm the one percent. You know that that of all the fans, you're the zero point five percent, right? Perhaps. No, perhaps. no. no but, but if you're going to get the new kids, the new kids haven't read the novels. No, they've most people haven't read the novels. I, well, okay, yeah, probably. I mean, kids have watched Clone Wars. They're no. still not piecing together that Anakin's going to become Darth Vader, and so. It is, it's all going to be new. They're not going to catch up to those novels that many aren't in print anymore either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm not as bothered by that. But if I if I had been invested and said yes, it was canon, and it doesn't have that fantastic out like the Doctor Who, like everything could be in canon because oh, we've left these huge gaps in the series, you know, or so, the way they did Star Trek. Yes, which is fine too. Um, so yeah, uh, but while we do that swap, well, there was Star Trek news this week. The movie or the, the movie? TV show? The movie. Uh, Star Trek Into the Dark. Into Darkness. Into, into Darkness. darkness. Um, yeah, Spider-Man Into the Dark. Uh, turn off the dark. Turn off the dark. I will see it one day. <laughs> uh, there was enough said that people are now speculating that the story is actually around um, the Gary Lockwood character. Which we've said before. We didn't. We have indeed said before because Benedict Cumberbatch is not Khan. He's dressed like the Gary Lockwood character. Okay, from where no man has gone before. We've we. Well, there were new articles this week that were that were aligning with that theory. Yeah, I mean, just everything's everything's been denied, but it's you know, yeah, it's all theoretical. But yeah, that that makes the most sense. But I like that because not a lot was done with that character. You know, that you had some great great actors doing that that episode, yeah. but. They could really blow that story up to something cinematic, and well, and, you know, and I never believed that Benedict Cumberbatch was playing Khan because in 2012 you cannot get away with a character right. named Khan Noonien Singh being played played by, by Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch. Uh, <laughs> right? Who has the single most British name in the history of England and is wait paler a minute, wait than a pale? You can't get away with that. Weren't there a bunch of American white guys cast in Akira or whatever, and we noticed and that fell apart. That movie, yeah, but is it didn't fall happening. apart because of no, the terrible were, casting. But they, but they were going to say it was American. They were going to set it in a New York City instead of Neo Tokyo, so they were Americanizing it. Isn't Ben Kingsley playing the Mandarin? He is half Indian. <laughs> he played. Gandhi. What does that have to do with the Mandarin, who's from China? Well, I'll tell you what that has to do with is China's paying for Iron Man three. <laughs> And you can't have a Chinese supervillain, so they make him South Asian. Exactly. So he is still legitimately. <laughs> it's the Red Dawn syndrome. <laughs> right. Yeah. How was that? Anybody see that? Yeah. No, I haven't. <laughs> you didn't did see you? a pre-screening? No. What? Mysteriously, they did not offer. Did we a talk about what, what they did for that movie? I think we did a while ago, but to remind people, yes, that it was originally uh, China, China invading. Which, let's face it does make sense uh and uh and instead uh they decided well then we can't show the movie in china so we shall digitally alter remove all the now, chinese what's flags more racist don't yet yet just change the symbols and assume <laughs> american audiences won't know the difference between the japanese actors playing the chinese now playing north korean and 
which is probably true. We can't, but that's. But it's still. <laughs> <laughs> it, it. I mean, it's just yeah. The, the yeah. Disney changed everything. I have no idea how it did. It was that opening Thanksgiving no, it was, weekend. It had no chance. It was a terrible idea. It was like we're going to remake a terrible movie. Yeah, I don't recall the first one being a great right. idea. That did poorly at the box office because somebody went into a pitch meeting and said, "I've got it. It's the Hunger Games, you know, version." Yeah, Hunger Games version of World Although War Three. The thing is, it was actually you know, it, it was made before Hunger yeah. Games. It, it's been on the shelf for like right, two or three I mean, years. Yeah, that, that was they, that they was had the to pitch wait to get it off Thor the shelf. To be Thor. Yeah, that's right. He's, he's it's pre Thor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. So my daughter wanted to see it because of that. She said, "You know, it's oh, of course." Yeah. I was like, "No, no, you don't, dear. You don't <laughs> trust me." <laughs> Please. Sometimes Dad's right. Sometimes. Well, you'll see a lot more of that now. It's like there are little brief excursions into Hollywood now. One of the, the everyone's favorite expressions that the most important market is what they call the brick market, which stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China. And so, no, I have not heard that right for the first time ever, because uh, because you know domestic movie grosses being what they are, and yeah. and the marketplace has become sort of segmented by people with either legal or illegal online da- online downloading or waiting for cable or or right. or you know video on demand or whatever. Brazil, Russia, India, China, countries that all have growing middle classes. Uh, which is sad that we're as not in that, like, right, as opposed to this country <laughs> yeah. where the where the middle class is slowly eroding and 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 being ripped apart. Um, in those but countries, you have people are growing. Yeah, but but I'm saying there's that in those countries, the middle class is growing and they have disposable income mm-hmm. and they go to movies. And China is one of the hugest movie right, right. markets in in the country, in the world rather. And uh, as as a you know, the story and was related have- to me that you had. What happened was that the, like the, the Chinese, the 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 movie industry is very restricted. Yes. So then, what happens? They only let in like ten, twelve uh, American movies. But they a have year. expanded that number this year. And I'll tell you exactly why, because uh, Kung Fu Panda was one of the movies they let in, and it was the highest grossing movie in China of any sort that year. Like blowing everything away. I want you to think about and this. So that, that potentially means Jack Black is the number one movie star in China. Well, it's not Jack Black though; it's somebody I know else, it's not, right? But it's still funny to think. But <laughs> but the thing about it is, is that that embarrassed because the, the 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 Chinese movie industry is run by the Chinese government. Oh, right. They're saying like, how did this American movie use two like a Chinese symbol, the panda, and a Chinese uh, uh, martial art, right? Kung Fu and mash them together into something that Chinese people like better than the stuff that we're doing, you know. And, your, and spend a lot of money on it. Your to take Pang to. Uh, oh yeah, Pong, Pong, but yes. Pong, yes. I'll let him know. So then you yeah. end up with with the Chinese government <laughs> the brick spending, spending, uh, letting DreamWorks open a production facility mm-hmm. in China. Mm-hmm. It's a billion dollar deal. Well, they're and ha- they're making DreamWorks is actually making animated films solely. For the Chinese audience, as a result of wow. that, hmm. yeah, it's yeah. not that they're just they're making movies over there because the labor's cheaper. No, no, no. I know. They're okay. teaching the Chinese how to do movies because the Chinese pe- movie makers go back to the government. It's because you hamstring us, you censor us. These these well, people. Well, Disney had tried it for a while as well because I know I got a a, a DVD from a, a Chinese movie called The Magic Gourd. Um, which is like an enchanting children's story about a kid who goes fishing and he actually fishes a talking gourd out of the water that just like chitty chitty bang bang can do anything and and uh, 
so they tried obviously because our audience will not buy you know oh, they're dubbed no I mean you oh, know it's simply yeah. that they're oh. dubbed it's yes. really a Corbin Corbin Blue who had been in High School Musical, did the voice of the gourd. And uh, for the American audience, it didn't do well. But it was part. It was the, supposed to be the beginning of a big project where Disney was doing exactly what you're saying DreamWorks is doing. And I understand I mean, that China I mean, is eating up 3D and IMAX. And yeah. that's why everything's pushing There are more here. theaters of, of all sorts. Oh, they, they open new theaters like weekly in China, all over the country. It's a huge market for movies, and, and, and now China, and then one of the things Chinese is, company owns AMC, right? And um, and one of the things about the other thing that that that's sort of unique about the Chinese marketplace is that usually here in in this country and all over the world, the 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 uh, the, the the split between the the film company and distributors is usually fifty fifty. The the Chinese government is seventy five twenty five. They're taking seventy five cents out of every dollar. So the the fact that you could go in there and and still make that kind of investment of billions of dollars to build a giant production facility in China, make movies for that market, and still make money at 25 cents on the dollar. That's a lot of tickets. That's a lot of tickets. And that's because people are still going to the theaters there. You know, not just the the, the little insult about the middle class, but that people are still going to the theaters. Same thing in, yeah. in Brazil. We, we, if you had to wonder why why uh, uh, Rio got made, the, the, the parrot movie, that's why. It wasn't made for this market. It was made for the Brazilian market. We're dangerously close to becoming educationally relevant here. Yeah, well, well, I, well, I'm it, sorry. It, no, no it's just me being a buzzkill again. I, oh, I, oh, I'm no, sorry for making the conversation interesting and meaningful. <laughs> oh. um, I can't, I can't do anything else. Well, let's well, let's go to this more controversy, shall we? Um, you know, we, uh. while we were on Matthew Vaughn, though, I do want to say that you know, X Men: Days of Future Past did have a casting thing. Brian Singer tweeted this week that Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen will be reprising their roles in Days of Future Past um, as Professor X and Magneto, which makes sense, I think, as old versions in the far future. Um, no, I mean, because okay. like, if you're going with the Days of and they're negotiating with Hugh Jackman to have a larger role as, I think, an older Wolverine. They should have, well, he'd be, he should be the same age yes. and have him go back and see himself as the same age because he's Wolverine yes. and doesn't age. Right. Well, he aged even when, when he uh, got gray haired. When John Byrne drew him in yeah, his future well. past, he had white hair. So yeah. uh, the the streaks, yeah, the uh, Mister Fantastic streaks. I'm hoping for those. Uh, so, but when they did Old Man Logan, he didn't look that old. No. Okay. No. So anyway, they go in there. So now we go into controversy, though. That uh, speaking of you know uh, that. Uh, James Gunn, which I got very excited about months ago when he was announced as writer-director of Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, is a man with a speckled past as far as humor, sense of humor, because um, he's written some... He's written children's movies, I mean, essentially the Scooby-Doo movies, children's franchise. He's, I think, still the only screenwriter to have this back-to-back number one movies opening two weeks in a row with Scooby-Doo one weekend and Dawn of the Dead with the second weekend. If he's not the only one, if he's not the only one to have back-to-back number one movies, it's certainly the the widest disparity between yeah. subject uh, matters. Well, maybe he just you know was the first guy that had two movies open up in successive weeks where there was nothing better to go to. Well, maybe, yeah, it's uh, possible. It's a friend, let's just say you know. I, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, and he wrote and directed a horror movie called Slither, and then last year did an indie uh, called Super with Rain Wilson. Yep. Uh, about the about a crazy guy dressing up as the Crimson Bolt. And wreaking justice upon his small town, 
Um, and then he was announced as uh, to be working with Joss Whedon in conjunction to create uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But it turns out that uh, no, not not turns out because I hope no action is taken. That uh, he some general controversy, general from- controversy over he had done a blog uh, on his own website. He we just run a website for a long, long time, um, and he communicates very directly to his fans, and uh, it is a real community. Uh, and this is a guy who came from Troma. He wrote Tromeo and Juliet way back when. And uh, he has a sometimes twisted sense of humor. He'd done a survey, was this, about uh, the superheroes you want to have, superheroes you wanna have sex, sex with. Sex with um, and made some comments on the results. Jokes that were blue, some f- blue, some funny, some not funny, uh, some gross, some considered as homophobic. Jokes will be. As jokes will be. Indeed. Case in point, this podcast. So, <laughs> so we do what we can, and then there's so there's a group that found it. He had taken the blog down, and then some people found it in an archive somewhere, and now are demanding that he be released, relinquished of his duties. And you know what I demand? What do you demand? I demand that those people be relinquished of their duties. What duties? Of using the internet and they living. To, they're just in a free society. Yeah. It's it's just people going out looking for something to be upset about and disturbed and to have. Well, I've action. seen a few uh, some of the commentary, uh, some of the commenters who were angry about it were reasonably highly placed uh, right. women in the comics industry as well. So it's not quite like somebody put a recording device in your home and then got upset with you later for the, what you were saying. But he he it is a blog with a small following of his fans. At and, the time, right, and you have a you have a way of treating that audience as more like this is family. This is these are people who get it. These are people who like me already, and you're going to talk like people do a little bit more openly with them. Um, maybe be exploratory in your humor. Maybe yeah. you know be insensitive. Well, I know that happens with com- comedians a lot. They yeah. they do try to shock to see what'll happen, and they're worse when they're in. When they're not on stage and they're just right. talking to each other and they're all trying to one-up each other and that's what happens with humor. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I think there's a limit to how accountable someone should be for something they said whenever and that you have to take it into consideration. Is, is this just something they did because they thought it was funny and then that was the end of it or does it, you know, reveal some sort of other behavior? Yeah. And then I could, if the guy, and I don't, I haven't, looked at or seen you know the blog thing and posting i just kind of know that it's out there because of the recent little kerfuffle about it but you know if the guy's a genuinely decent guy and 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 he hasn't done anything in his life that other than that one thing to go off and offend you know women and people everywhere then then well that's it i think maybe seem rather bad. i think maybe because come on i mean i'm well, I think who hasn't sat down and said, yeah, Wonder Woman's kind of, yeah. You know, I mean, who hasn't? Right. Maybe maybe some people haven't, and that's fine. But, but I think the, the, the... But I don't think you should hold this guy's feet to the flames just because he made a few off-color comments about fictional characters. Yeah, the criticism that characters. he's homophobic or he said this this kind of stuff to hurt people Yeah, um, I think is that if, just ridiculous. They're cartoon characters now, that he's if talking you, about. If you could find some other, you know, behavior of his that... Where you know he's off, gone off to hurt an actual person, or you know there's some sort of pattern of behavior where he's you know a sexist or he's he's 
uh, something you know, assaulted somebody yeah. or whatever, then you can say, okay. A real-life action. Yeah, that, something that other than just, like, some drunken blog right, post about. I, get, I, get, I just get scared. Of, like, are we approaching an era where just nothing is allowed to be funny? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we all sit at this table. Um, I speak for the regular podcast crew. We laugh at ourselves a lot. We find a lot of things. If I was funny, we find a lot of different things funny. We hold our souls back on some stuff too. Uh, yeah, I mean we do, but that's because we're looking for a larger audience. I, yeah. I, I never presume our fandom, if we have one, um, you know. I mean, I presume we have <laughs> listeners. I don't, but but I mean, well, you know what I mean. You know, People follow. You know, we have at least three fans. I Derek. know. I but I, what I mean is, you know, we say jokingly, fan droids. I don't know necessarily who those people are. Um, we know a few, but it, but it, I don't mistake that with, oh, these are my. Th- this is like going out to dinner with Lon, and Lon and I will say well, we some, aren't we aren't pro- jokes producing. Are, I mean, for the for the most right. part, we're not producing anything that people would go out and consume. Aside from the podcast, in which we're talking about things that we're consuming along with everybody else, so we're not we're not right. creators. We're not. I don't feel it's like us, like you know, yeah, yeah like it's Kevin Smith's podcast or something. You know, we're not. It's not based on the strength of our personalities. It's based on what we're talking about. Yeah, observations. Yeah. So the well, the, I beg to differ. Okay, it's and based uh, on our personalities. Okay, okay. they're glowing. I think uh, <laughs> I agree with both of you. the The idea that oh, we're going to shoot way up because we got Dan here. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm just here to bring the conversation to a halt. Oh, yeah. You keep forgetting my role. Uh, but you keep actually lifting it up and throwing it and making it. You know, worth here's my hope though: is that there are people out there who are always going to be looking for something to be irritated about in someone else's creative process, in someone else's life, in someone else's yeah. what they say. If those people who I don't believe are legion are able to disrupt business at Marvel, business at, at Disney, business um, for a creator because of, of, of an article he wrote without mm-hmm. any, any discussion with him about that or, or understanding where he was when he wrote that, um, that's a that's a very well, if, very bad thing, and I, I hope can, the DC, uh, I hope Marvel, Disney and Marvel, Marvel. Will, will will not. If I can put this juxtaposition, because it's bothered me for a, a while, it is uh, it's like the, to me this is the same thing as like Snoop Dogg, who has this strange career in this in this country. <laughs> You're right. Mm-hmm. Of he's a rapper oh, yeah. who is a was a. a I think a he pimp. was a f- uh, well, uh, yes, a pimp. He had a line. Now, let's let's not that word has lost its meaning. A man. No, who, no. I mean, no, no. he was a panderer. Beca- but the, he was a he that's had what I a say. stable of prostitutes that's what I say, you talk, in his employ. Because people say I'm he big had, pimping. And it's he like, had a line of porn films. Yes. A very successful rapper. This is why you don't. I don't want to use the label. And so was still a top build voiceover actor in the children's film Racing Stripes. Right. So I'm saying both. And he coaches uh, children's football league, and he's a known pimp, drug user and abuser, pal coach, and <laughs> and uh, now he's drug on user, abuser, and beloved children's entertainer. And now he is currently. Oh, a, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, and he is Snoop pist- Lion. He's a pistachio uh, commercial guy. Yes. And the joke is, hey, I have a little weed container, but it's got pistachios in it. Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, granted, it's not like they're, you know, trying to cast him as Rocket Raccoon or anything, but it's still like there's oh, this past. He would be cool. <laughs> Damn it. He's got, I'm sorry I said it then. He has yellow. Uh, 
I think he's got yellow, yellow eyes. eyes. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the jaundice talking. Yellow vocabulary bubbles. Uh, oh, okay. Yes. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's just that, that some people get a pass, and then to, some people just get really outraged. Right. It's like, don't get outraged. First of all, what the average person isn't going to go, you know, no one went to the Avengers saying, what's Joss Whedon's political views? And even when we ran that Rombie's political ad that Joss Whedon did, you know, come on, 50 people. If people that, got yeah. fired because of outrage, then... Gilbert Gottfried would have been fired from... Oh, wait, that's, that's a bad example. Yeah. If people got <laughs> fired because of outrage, then J.C. Penney would have dropped Ellen. Then yeah. all yeah. kinds of people would be fired for all kinds of things. No, but because, that was politically correct, though. Yeah, that, right. was, that well, was the turnabout. But there. it's still... It's a a vocal minority. You're finding a minority of people that are saying, oh, he did this, get him out of here. Yeah. Right. I think just like politics, the majority of people in this country really don't care that much well the i mean and they shouldn't have get to, back to the know, whole of live it. your life he's speculating on comic book characters that's the joke you know the the fact that he's applying all this stuff to it <laughs> it's it's still they're comic book characters it's not like he went out and attacked a real gambit character right 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 so you still do she hulk right I never said. Oh, that was in the movie, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you did say that. You are on film saying that. no. We were we were joking to get uh, a certain other character to admit to his fantasies. So, um, but speaking of Joss Whedon, though, he did announce that June seventh will be the release of Much Ado About Nothing. Joss Whedon doing Shakespeare. I'm very excited. So I just want to throw that out there because it's I think it's, it's great. Awesome. I'm very much looking forward to it. And I best casting. I've forgotten this. Nathan Fillion. Who I really wanted to be Star Lord, but it doesn't look like he's going to be Star Lord. Nathan Fillion is Dogberry in Much Ado About Nothing, which, in hindsight, what a fantastic casting! Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So, um, and that's the end. We don't have any TV. Did we talk about the Walking Dead casting news a couple weeks no, ago? No, you can go ahead. Tyrese got cast. TV that's a spoiler. <laughs> oh, I probably should have said that before I said the name. I don't remember the guy's name who got cast at him, though, so that doesn't really it wasn't actually Tyrese. qualify okay, as news. No, it wasn't actually Tyrese cast as Tyrese. Yeah, that'd no. be, that'd it's be an actor. Great. The guy from The Wire. Chad Coleman? Is that the name? I've never seen The Wire. Was that? I haven't Would either, but I hear it's that's really one of the, good. That's one of the best crime TV shows possibly ever. I've heard that. Yeah. It's, it's, very, uh, it's very real. And even the stuff that you think, oh, that can't possibly be real. Because it's all based on real people. Right, right. And, uh, and I believe Heimdall's on that. Yes. Hmm. yes, Idris Elba. Idris you, Elba. You, yeah. you watch it, watch two episodes, and you'll be completely drawn in. Uh, you know, there's there's, there's very little in the way of contrivance in the thing. Chad which is Coleman. One of the things Sorry. that television suffers from sometimes is they mm -hmm. they've got to contrive something to keep an actor kind of engaged with with the audience, and then you end up with, uh, you know, yeah. what's what's Jack Bauer's daughter being chased by a cougar. Well, and you're supposed to care about that in the middle of 24. And like, well, no. But I went to the wrong place. I know. I did yeah. too. Like, 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 or whatever. I mean, there's cougar. plenty of examples. No, I remember that happened, but I, oh, yeah. but I, I went to the wrong cougar. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, but, well, scratch our ability to direct a major Marvel movie. But yeah, The Wire is just is tremendous. And, and that, that character is very, uh, uh, or the actor, rather, who played, uh, is going to be in The Walking Dead. Well, and That'll a, be a really good yeah, addition. And, and then The Wire is completely available on DVD. So, you know, if you want to give that as a gift this Christmas, uh, go on to our little Amazon search box. 
on the side because uh, we're out of stuff to talk. So we're just going to say there again, please. Big Pimpin. Big Pimpin. Check us out on iTunes. Subscribe. Uh, rate us. Tell your friends. <laughs> uh, listen to us on the Stitcher app. Check us out at www.fanboyplanet.com. And, of course, you can drop a little money on the PayPal so we can have a nice green Christmas. All right. And uh, so until next week. Oh, you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary? You want more Dan? You want Dan Votto in here more? Write to us at editor. No, no one's going to ask for that. <laughs> I can't remember the last time. Yeah, you know, you know what the world needs. It's, it's more of Dan Votto saying. Just- okay, so write in compliments or just uh, or criticism. Write in editor at fanboyplanet.com. Until the next time we all meet and beyond, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And to add to things that you can do if you're in the L.A. area, hire me. a job. <laughs> I am Nate Costa. Did we get everyone's questions off the Facebook page? We did. Yes, okay, we did. good. Yeah. We just worked them. We You're welcome, them. fan and boys our, and girls. our special guest and the guy who let us record here. Yeah, they put me on this show so they could use the warehouse for Oh, afternoon. I know. It's totally it's That's all right. I'm, I'm, all pre- I'm all about quid <laughs> pro quo. SLGcomic.com for slave labor graphics comics. Go there. Buy something. Uh, because, yeah, hey, it will help me get through the holiday. We're moving soon, so we need... Uh, yeah. We need moving funds, so go go buy something there. All right. And you are? I'm Dan Votto, by the way, <laughs> yeah. president of Slave Labor Graphics. You know what? I think 2013, I'm going to just ditch the SLG because it's been nothing but but a problem ever since. You heard it so here first, I'm going. Folks. We're going back to slave labor because that's what we're all about. All right. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.